In this Campus Bible Study podcast, we'll be answering questions from Romans chapter 6, verse 15 to chapter 7, verse 6. Hi, Tim. Our first question for today is from John from New Church and Gab from Law. And their question is, does chapter 7, verse 1, which says, I'm speaking to those who know the law, mean that everything following is just for Jews or is it also for Gentiles as well? Thanks, Gavin John. It's a great question. It shows that we're reading the text closely and thinking about who the audience is. In spite of that, though, I don't think it makes much of a difference. Paul's point in these opening verses of chapter 7 is that the law is only binding on someone while they live. And with the marriage illustration, this understanding doesn't seem restricted to just the Mosaic law. It seems a general inference of law. So verse 1 is this general appeal. You know about the law. It's only binding for life. So death marks the end of being bound under the law. It allows for a new union. However, in verse 4, Paul does seem to have the Jewish law in mind, though I'm not sure that this restricts what he teaches in the following verses to only the Jews. Because, as you know, Jesus came as the Jewish Messiah, and it's right to expect a level of continuity between Judaism and Christianity. The Jews were living under the law of Moses, and as they received Jesus as the Christ, they wrestled with what was still required under the law, and what was not. This is some of the confrontation we see in Galatians chapter 2, where Paul opposes Peter, as he struggles to somewhat apply this new freedom that they have in Christ from the law. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. Do you see in that confrontation, Peter as a Jew, Paul as a Jew, the Jews in Galatia, they weren't living as Jews anymore. They weren't living under the law. But they were tempted to go back to the law under fear of the circumcision party. And they were putting Gentiles under the law as well. But that is not the way that we have been set free to live in Christ. So imagine similarly in the church in Rome, the Gentiles and the Jews there would have held the Mosaic law in high regard. It was a big part of their scriptures that they had. It was a core part of their identity as followers of the Jewish Messiah. And so Paul addresses them, Jews and Gentiles alike, with this general knowledge of law saying that whoever you are as you come to Christ, you have died to the law. It no longer is binding on you. That relationship has come to an end. And that is all so that you can be bound, well, to a new relationship, to Christ, which is the purpose of the Christian life, that we may live with him 
to bear fruit for God. Thanks, Tim. That's very helpful. Uh, our last question is from Hannah from New Church. Romans chapter 7, verse 6. Does the Spirit here refer to the Holy Spirit given to us after Jesus' ascension? If so, does this mean that Old Testament believers that were justified by faith and so free slash dead to sin were still serving in the old way of the written code? What would a new way of living look like for them? Thanks, Hannah. I think part of your answer is actually in the question. Uh, Chapter 7 of verse 6 talks about a shift of time periods or epochs. With the coming of Jesus, his life, his ministry, his death, resurrection and ascension, world history has changed. So has salvation history. So I think you're right that the reference to the Holy Spirit here, to the Spirit, sorry, is to the Holy Spirit. What was poured out by Jesus and his Father at Pentecost. This is what God promised beforehand in Joel, and it marks the beginning of a new age, the age of the Spirit. That's the age believers now live in, and Paul's going to spend some time unpacking this a bit more in chapter 8. So do come back in term 3. In one sense, Paul is not actually concerned to address what faith looked like in the old age, the age of the written code. His exhortation is now for, well, how believers live in the age of the Spirit. Though, uh, let me make a couple of brief comments. Uh, Prior to the coming of Christ and the pouring out of the Spirit, God's people lived in the old age of the written code, though it wasn't old to them. That was their expression of faith and obedience was to follow this code, this law, this good gift from God. And it was also a constant reminder of sin. Because their righteousness was never earned through obedience to the law. The law showed them that they need, well, God to act in mercy towards them, even under the old age of the written code. Now, it's interesting that the age of the written code wasn't how God had always related to his people. As we go to Galatians again, in Galatians chapter 3, Paul talks about God's promise to Abraham, a promise that endured even after the giving of the law, this written code. And that's about how God's people received his inheritance. Galatians 3 and verse 15. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. That is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. So even though this written code was the old way, well, there's a promise that actually went back even before God gave that written code. And it's through that promise and that promised offspring, our Lord Jesus Christ, that we and they can actually receive God's promised eternal inheritance and always through faith. Christ is the one we are bound to. He is the one we serve in newness of life. He is our new master. So let us live daily for him. Keep persevering in faith in that great promised offspring. Thanks for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please make sure you subscribe on iTunes to automatically download our most recent podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Campus Bible Study, you can visit our website, campusbiblestudy.org.